Imagine, a podcast series by Imagine Theatre. Hello again, my name is Martin Ballard and welcome to episode 59 of this podcast series and this time we're going to take a look at the role of music in pantomime with a composer and musical director. For more information, go to their website at www.imagintheatre.co.uk. Now, I hope you enjoyed the last episode when I caught up with Imagine's managing director, Steve Bowden, to talk about everything that's been happening this summer to get ready for the next panto season. That and all of the other previous episodes are still available to download. All you have to do is go to where you normally get your podcasts from. And while you're at it, why not subscribe so that you don't miss out in the future? So this time, I've been joined by the man who's involved in countless new writing and musical theatre projects. He's a musical director, orchestrator, vocal coach and composer, uh, also a musical supervisor for Imagine Theatre. It's Dan Jarvis. How are you, Dan? Hello. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. Tell us a bit about your background, first of all, because I think it's fair to say that you had an interesting route into musical theatre because you're actually a sports science graduate, weren't you? That's right. Yeah, yeah, I am. I did sport and exercise science at Birmingham University. I was like 2020, I graduated in 2011. And so that was, it was always a toss up between doing music or something sports or sciencey at university. And then, yes, and I ended up just choosing that route. And then somehow I wound my way back. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I did two years basically getting involved in brilliant local Amdram societies and um they were they were so great at giving me that kind of platform to just try out what is this role and i didn't really even know what i was doing at that, at, at that point and then ended up two years later applying to to do musical direction at mountview and then just that one year kind of training hands-on being thrown into the deep end yeah it was kind of my springboard out into the industry so where did the love of music come from? Is that from a family sort of influence or, or just a love of listening to music? I think I've, yeah, I've, I've always had a love of listening to music and I, I, I started playing piano when I, was, when I was eight. I used to pretend to play, play the organ in church back in, <laughs> way back in the day. But I think, I think the, the whole love of music started with my dad, actually, yeah. So he, he was a massive Queen fan. I'm told that I, you know, would, you know, in, instead of, of watching any kind of back then you know we didn't we didn't have the old netflix and stuff and, and stuff to, to put on but I, I would watch queen's greatest flicks one and two back to back so um yeah so like queen i queen music was my was my kind of first exposure to music and that led me to you know as, as a child building pianos out of cardboard boxes and um and tennis rack guitars out of tennis rackets and yeah you, you you name it i've probably i've probably made it so is piano your instrument or do you play other instruments as well yeah so yeah p- piano is my is my main instrument and is kind of the the lens through which i compose and in a way kind of see music but um kind of done a lot of work to understand lots of other instruments um yeah i mean i can i can play percussion drums and um and also um ac- accordion so another kind of keyboard based instrument but I, I I do I do love strings, so I think string writing would be up there with one of the you know things I really love to arrange for. So if we take you back to your childhood when you weren't watching back-to-back Queen videos, <laughs> did you ever go to see Panto as a child? Yeah, I did. I was um, I was thinking about this the, the other day actually. We weren't really theatre goers as a, as a as a family. This would have probably been until I was about maybe ten, eleven, and 
we, we didn't spend money as a family going to the theatre. And I think I remember there was one Christmas that our granddad took us to see, I can't remember the name of the show, but I think it might have been Puss in Boots or Dick Whittington mm-hmm. at um, Birmingham Hippodrome. And um, yeah, I remember that as like my first, probably my first big theatre experience. And I was probably quite reluctant to go. I was like, why am I going to, why am I going to see, why am I going to theatre? Why am I going, what, what, what is this? I just got dragged along really. And I probably quite, I think I probably quite enjoyed it. Obviously one of the biggest pantos in the country, Birmingham Hippodrome, massive, beautiful theatre as well. Do you remember much about the experience? Not really. I think the thing that I remember most is probably the um, ice on the streets outside, um, <laughs> which is a strange thing to remember. But I remember the the, the, the huge auditorium or how it seemed huge to, to me at, at, at that point but yeah there was there was just something about the experience that was not just the show itself but just the whole thing of just going as a as a family and having that time out and having that time together but going to see this this thing that you're all watching and engaging in together I don't remember, remember any specifics about the show I think potentially one of the I think it might have been Brian Connolly might have been in it so did you actually take note of the fact that there was music involved in the panto and, and think about, even at that early age, whether that might be something you'd like to do? Yeah, I think I, think I probably did take note. The way I kind of heard music was um, different. I, 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 I enga- as in, I, I engaged with it very e- easily, I think. I don't think I would have thought, oh, I can see myself doing this or this would be me one day. One of the joys of panto is that it opens doors in terms of entertainment, let alone careers, for so many different people from different backgrounds, people who love live music, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, people who like stand-up comedy, people who like to see a, a magical act or a spectacle, and musical theatre lovers. I mean, it brings everybody together, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it does. It brings. I think it's it's one of the mediums that does bring it's that that brings in. Yeah, as, as you say, quite quite rightly. Yeah, brings in people from 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 all different walks of life who who enjoy many different things but it's all bringing people together for a theatrical ex- experience so tell us a little bit about once you'd actually graduated from mount view what was the next sort of step for you because you're obviously an accomplished pianist but then to become a musical director composer even what's the sort of progression that you have to go through to get to that stage I think one of the things that kind of kick-started me off at, at Mountview was obviously just the, it's the, the contacts of the people that came in to work with us. And then it was just kind of um, a snowball effect, I think, in just doing jo- the small jobs well and then getting recommended. And there's a kind of a gradual progression that I could probably see now looking back, um, trying to be diligent with my own practice. And I'd, I'd always also like think about how, you know, how I see theatre and, the function of music within it and the whole suspension of disbelief element I think is quite a strong part of that and I think I was just kind of I was kind of led towards the the creative side of it you know really enjoyed writing and and and, and arranging and then you know all of a sudden there's a, there's a job that you're like oh we need some parts for this or we need we're going to have a band and actually there's no there's no there's no budget to hire a, a separate a, a arranger or, um, or 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 orchestrator so oh I guess I'm going to do it um <laughs> And so it, you and I kind of just learnt on the job and took the experience that I had and just yeah just kind of learnt by doing with many of these skills I guess yeah and I kind of I invested in kind of vocal knowledge and I, I did um, 
the um, the Astil course, levels one and two, which gave me like a really good grounding. And I think it's I think it's so important for for MDs to have that vocal awareness and be able to work with actors, singers, dancers, people with varying vocal abilities and different requirements, and um, being able to help them as best you can. That's one of your, your your sort of areas of expertise as well, isn't it? as a vocal coach but also you know even going back to your sports science days part of that was looking very much at things like uh, respiratory physiology and so on which is all linked through to to the voice the diaphragm and all that sort of stuff and when you come to do panto as you said you're working with all sorts of people from different backgrounds and whereas some dancers or actors may have great singing voices they've not necessarily been taught the technique that singers might have been taught and that's all part of it isn't it yeah yeah absolutely yeah it can be a a whole mixed bag you know you've got professionals who are experts like real experts in their in in their craft so like potentially you know the the comics say you know they're booked for that skill some have fantastic singing voices some know how to take care of it and and some don't but why would they um yeah and so it's it's so helpful for the production to be able to keep them on it and keep their voices fresh and doing everything you can to help them. Being able to sing a song particularly well as an actor or somebody who hasn't trained uh, as a singer is great. But mm. when you're doing two shows a day, six days a week for a three or four week run you can do damage to your vocal cords without knowing it you can actually overstretch yourself and you know as an md particularly with your background knowing so much about not just the vocal coach side of your career but looking at that health side as well mm. taking care of your voice you will notice you know somebody who might be able to hit a high note in the rehearsal room but is at the top of their range and straining a little bit you know they're going to do damage over that run aren't they yeah to- totally totally yeah and it's you know it's one of, one of the things that i do that i listen for in um in, in auditions as well you know it's 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 even it comes right, right from the speaking voice you know and just trying to gauge you know is this something that is going to work is there is there are there habits here embedded that are going to cause difficulty with the you know with the long the longevity and the sustainability across such an it's, it is such an intense period it's one of one of the hard, hardest runs i think because it's because it's so intense with two shows and so you know so, some venues have three shows a day and to keep that consistent and sustainable you know is, is a real challenge yeah looking away from panto uh, for a moment you've been involved in so many exciting projects in recent years not just as a as a musical director but arranger orchestrator composer and so on what attracts you to new projects do you have to be excited by the initial idea how how do you get involved with these projects i think a lot of, a lot of the time i offers do come from from word of mouth and recommendations yeah it's 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 difficult sometimes you're like if you need we you know we all we all need work we all need to kind of stay in work to um keep them on the, the pennies coming in to be able to pay the mortgage but i think in terms of big big projects i'm definitely i'm definitely someone who wants to look at the what what is it what's the story that we're telling why is it important what can i offer what can i bring to this this project and you know does it excite me because i think for me it is it's, it, it, it is important that a project brings that excitement and desire to tell a story and join a team and be able to collaborate just love collaboration with, with with people and you know you can create something that is far greater than 
the sum of what each of you individually brings but you know bouncing off of each other and just yeah taking ideas to the next level um is um is is really exciting yeah and it's really great to have that spring in your step and be enjoying what, what you're doing and it's not always the the case and 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 even you know in in this industry um you know i know there are i know there are there are many people who are in you know in, in different elements of the industry that don't necessarily enjoy what they do which i think is a shame and i think i'm quite count myself very fortunate to on the most part really enjoy the work that i, I do you've been involved in lots of exciting new writing workshops and some projects that have done really well the return of the soldier at the hope mill for instance the bow maker as well brand new uh, musical theater is really important i mean while jukebox musicals and and simple ideas are great and they put bums on seats it's really important that we see a lot of new writing not just storyline but music as well and we we've seen some you know major successes in recent years uh i guess six is one of those and more recently operation mincemeat which is you know doing particularly well at the moment and that's really inspirational it's really important that new writing continues to thrive isn't it yeah yeah absolutely i think it's absolutely crucial there are so many great writers out there and it, it, it's so hard to get work on and it's balancing that you know the sustainability of a production getting bums on seats because it is it, it, it that, that, that's an important part of it but there are so many great stories out there to be told and you look at shows that go to streaming platforms you know in, in terms of film and there's so many great new original ideas and there are those out there as well in theater in, in straight theater as well but particularly in, in, in musicals and it's they're just they're harder to sell they're, they tend to be bigger budgets they tend to be um, larger casts and also require musicians so it is it, it's harder to get on but yeah that's my, my my area that I that I probably love the most is working on on new writing and there's yeah some some great writers out there with like um some of the ones I've, I've had the the pleasure of working with like um, um Finn Anderson and Gus Gowland and um, Eamon O'Dwyer just to, just to name a handful but um yeah there's so much homegrown talent like in our in our country yeah there's stories to be heard I think we're, we're in a difficult time you know more so than ever where producers want to stage shows that they know are going to do well and they're mm. taking less risks with new work and that's where the fringe is really important for trying out new material six obviously yeah. famously started at the edinburgh fringe um, mm. a piece you worked on paper hearts the fringe in london as well and i think that that's really important isn't it tell us a bit about your role for imagine as a musical supervisor what does that mean basically because we have probably many of the listeners will know that we we use tracks to enhance the music and especially with like the big production numbers, we need that extra um, that extra strength and in, in, in depth. And so one of the things I'll do is um, is arrange the shows. So I will arrange a, a handful of shows that will go out each year. I will create the tracks. I'll create the scores, and then I will liaise with the MDs that are there at the sh- at the shows on the ground, uh, talking to them, checking if everything's fine there. And they'll probably sometimes send some requests back for some for some alterations, and so that's that's one element of it. And I also will tend to play for most of the auditions in the audition season. So as well as playing for them, I'll also be kind of an extra little voice, kind of on the on 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 the panel, just kind of chipping in with thoughts and checking in on um, you know, listening out for vocal health and 
yeah, different elements and, and range and all those things kind of involved in casting as well. So when it comes to working on a panto, whether you're with a live band or a track, there's a lot more work involved in that than most people would think, isn't there? Yeah, there's there's quite a lot in terms of the the tracks of it, I guess. Yeah, I can go into I can go into detail here. Yeah, so we will like, you know we'll run run the, the we'll run the tracks through a QLab system, which um, basically lines up all the tracks which have been what would we would call stemmed out. So for say one for one given song, you'll have as many kind of com- components of that track. So you'll have the strings on one section you'll have maybe the brass on another you've got your other other rhythm elements you've got maybe guitars you've got they would all play in individually but then obviously play together so you've got control over the over uh, over the track to mix it and obviously when, when you've got the live band as well then you're mixing those elements together the live and the track together to try and make it sound as authentic as possible if you're the you're the MD in the pit, sometimes it's not it's not as easy to to hear what it sounds like out front. So I'd have a little thing where I would put my piano on the track just as a just for, for when we're in tech and stuff. So I so occasionally I could fire it, let the band play, and I could go out front and listen and help the sound guy mix. A lot of people who who don't work in the industry may have heard the click or click track. Yeah, you know that that people talk about very often. You won't have all the musicians in the studio at the same time anyway. You'll record mm. maybe the strings or you'll record the rhythm section or whatever. They'll all be done separately. And to keep everybody in time, the, the click track is important. But it's also important, especially when you've got part of the music on track and a live band as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So you want you need to keep everything together, basically. And so, yeah, there'll be there'll be one track, which is just which is which is basically the click. Which basically um, gives us like a, a um, literally what it is a, a click, which will em- emphasise the, the strong the strong beat, um, the first beat of every bar, and um, and just it'll just tick away in our ear that we will play against, which is just sent to us. So um, yeah, getting around that and being able to craft some stuff that is that feels natural and and um, you know has time changes, tempo changes, to give a really realistic feel then is another is another added challenge at the arranging stage you know to try and integrate it so and basically kind of like telegraph as well telegraph tempo changes so that you can either make make quick jumps in tempo that that are going to be accurate and and of course it wouldn't be panto without an occasional cheesy key change either yeah we do get a couple in there sometimes (laughs) but we try and make them even for panto i guess from my from my perspective i think you know i hold it with the you know, with, with the utmost in, in integrity as well, musically, that it is a fresh piece of theatre that requires people's um, disbelief to be suspended. And it'll often be, obviously, it's, it's often um, some a child's first experience of theatre as well. So, and even though sometimes, yeah, we do love a key, uh, sometimes a bit of a cheesy key change, <laughs> but ho- I, would, I would like to say hopefully they are justified. There'll be so many different musical styles in a panto. There could be a new Lizzo pop song. There could be a musical theatre classic. There could be a patter song from Music Hall or whatever. Obviously, the infamous song sheet. It is a real mixed bag of musical genres, isn't it? It really kind of tests your chops in terms of playing as well. Like you go from some some such such extreme styles, and um, yeah, which is which is really fun as well. It's you don't really get that in many other in many other genres at all and it's and also from a you know from an arranging point of view that really tests 
test you as well in terms of getting your big band voicings right and you know getting suddenly you're you're bringing out all the brass and then you're then having to go into production mode if you're like covering um you know one of the current pop songs that has a specific sound and i think in you know in in terms of um, arranging as well and i'll try and use the original track as a reference and to put in the kind of put in the signposts to go you know this is what you're expecting to hear you're you're expecting to hear this riff and you're expecting to hear this this drum groove Mm. but um but at the same time I, i try and bring something something new and fresh that kind of makes it of its own and also somehow feels then also cohesive with the rest of the piece that we're watching so it's not too jarring but at the same time you know it it, as i said before it needs to kind of justify itself as to why why we've made choices the way we have just going back to to mount view was that the 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 stage in your training where you had a much better knowledge of the layers of music involved in musical theater in particular or any recording for that matter because obviously as a pianist you know if you're playing in a band or an orchestra or you know any, any sort of ensemble you know your place in that but when you're arranging or composing you need to have a better understanding of layers of music and how they mix together don't you yeah yeah you do um it's uh, yeah and how yeah how how they fit together and i think and to be honest i think i think i'm still learning this um i like to think that ho- hopefully hopefully i get better with every every job and it's all it's all experience and it's all slow slowly getting getting better encountering new problems and trying to find solutions to these new problems as we work but yeah in terms of mount view we definitely did quite a, a different range of arranging tasks and um yeah it was it was certainly helpful kind of starting that journey and i think i yeah i had done some arranging for amdram as well mm. and um yeah, and I think it was it's it's all been valuable really. Just getting your ear in to kind of to be able to listen to what's what's important, what's not important, what um the the, the effects you can make, a range of, of, of things, yeah. I just wonder who your hero might be, if you have anybody in particular. You've worked on so many yeah. different things from more commercial musical theatre through to Stephen Sondheim and others. Do you have a particular hero who may be an influence in your own composition work? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a there's a number. I think there's a few that that will probably integrate. I think as as I said before, massive Queen fan, so that kind of informs a few things. Always been a massive Billy Joel fan, so mm-hmm. yeah, I used to. Um, there's a lot of um, kind of '80s favourites. I, I, I probably would think, but in terms of musical theatre, definitely. Um, you know, I was a, f- a fan of Stephen Schwartz. Jason Robert Brown and and of course uh, Mr. Stephen Sondheim. Yeah, what a craftsman! What a brilliant, brilliant writer in in every single way. Yeah, I, I read a couple of his um, you know his takes. He's got a couple of books um, which yeah I would urge any fan fan to try and get hold of and and and, and look at his commentary on his lyrics, which is I think um, finishing the hat and look I made a hat, two two volumes which just just so insightful and just how he how he thought about his craft and it's just it's really really in, insightful and eye opening my two favorites personally geniuses both of them but at different ends of the musical theater spectrum if you like um, alan menken yes. who's written so much classic stuff for disney but started mm-hmm. with little shop of horrors and has done newsies and other musicals in recent years and stephen sondheim stephen sondheim of course so 
complex in his writing, so mm. clever and so demanding for musicians and singers. It's like nothing else, really. It's um, he tends to have a, he has a habit of just hitting the nail on the head when it comes to lyric and music mm. and the fusion of the two together, the subtext, the subtext of the music, and yeah, and the kind of the the honesty of the writing. It's just it's just brilliant. Now, through all of your pantomime work with Imagine Elsewhere and even from your childhood, do you have a, a favourite pantomime? I've actually never worked on on a Cinderella until this year. So this year is the is my first couple of Cinderellas. But I think I'd only be able to say of all of the ones that I have done in terms of the the, the show itself, I think my favourite so far would have been Beauty and the Beast possibly because it's very high stakes in places you don't necessarily get that as much across some of the other pantos obviously you get moments of high stakes but this it has a has the the story element i think can be so strong and at least it was when i worked on on the one we did in i worked with um my good friend rob marsden in halifax and um yeah the beauty and the beast i was really proud of the work we did on, on 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 that and uh, yeah, so I probably, if I have to say one, I'd, I'll, say, I'll say that one. Plenty of, uh, of room in that one for a dramatic underscore music yeah. as well, yeah. which um, is really important in pantomime. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Rob Marsden. One of the things we talk about when it comes to panto is how important it is for future generations, because a lot of children will come and see panto as the first thing they ever see in a theatre. Yeah. But to take that one stage further, you're very much involved in the education of, of you know young people, whether it be at Tring, whether it be at the London School of Musical Theatre, Mount View, or Staffordshire University, is that something you get a particular joy from? Yeah, I, 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 I do, I really, really do. Um, I really enjoy that kind of um, educational element, practically, but all the- theoretically, and just un- you know, in developing that un- un- understanding, being able to kind of help other people kind of upskill and probably comes as well from my, you know, my kind of my own academic background. Yeah, just and kind of passing passing that on and kind of yeah, in in trying to yeah, in inspire others and help in some way and give some back. Well, it's a fantastic job that you do there. Uh, it's also a fantastic job uh, as musical supervisor. I mean, there are lots of other exciting projects that you're involved with, which we're going to hear more about, I'm sure, in the coming years from various theatres around the country. But in the meantime, Dan, have a great Christmas. Enjoy the next pantomime season with the Cinderella's and other projects you're working on. And thank you so much for talking to us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And that's it for now, I'm afraid. Thank you once again for supporting this podcast series. Don't forget, though, you can subscribe to Just Imagine where you normally get your podcasts from. And you can check out all of the previous 58 episodes there too. In the meantime, make sure you join me next time for episode 60 when I'll be chatting to more of the Imagine team about the use of technology in pantomime and how innovations help to develop the genre. Thank you for listening to the latest edition of Just Imagine, the podcast series from Imagine Theatre. And you can find out more by going to www.imagintheatre.co.uk.